Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. I want to thank Janice Kravitz for the beautiful altar of flowers this morning that she's given in memory of her mother Greta on this, her birthday today. Also, I want to thank the musicians today. We've had wonderful music and there's still more to come. So many thanks to uh, Carol and Joe and Kristen and Mark and Amy and uh, Tony for the beautiful music that we're having today. Happy Valentine's Day. It's just a few days away, guys. You probably remember Valentine's Day just like I do when you were a kid. Lots of red construction paper, white doilies, scissors, paste, maybe taking a shoebox to school and decorating it to cover with homemade Valentines to make a mailbox. And before the big day, taking home a class list to make sure you didn't leave anybody out. And then your mom or somebody would give you this box of Valentine's that they'd gotten. And there was always one in there for the teacher. And then you painstakingly addressed one for each member of your class. Then you took them to school the next day and put them in each mailbox. Then the party in the afternoon, maybe with Valentine's, Valentine direct, decorated cookies, I should say, and cherry Kool-Aid. Doesn't that sound familiar? I was kind of wondering if they still do that. <laughs> if they don't, they're sure a loss. I've gotten a few Valentines in the mail this past week, too. That's kind of fun. I love to get them. I still love Valentine's Day. That's one season. Maybe they invented it to brighten up this dreary month, although this year it certainly isn't dreary. In Ecclesiastes, there's a well-known scripture that describes some of the seasons that we're all so familiar with. And it goes like this from Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 15. Everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. He sets the time for birth and the time for death, the time for planting and the time for pulling up, the time for killing and the time for healing, the time for tearing down and the time for building up. He sets the time for sorrow and the time for joy, the time for mourning and the time for dancing, the time for making love and the time for not making love, the time for kissing and the time for not kissing. He sets the time for finding and the time for losing, 
the time for saving and the time for throwing away, the time for tearing and the time for mending, the time for silence and the time for talk. He sets the time for love and the time for hate, the time for war, the time for peace. What do we gain from all our work? I know the heavy burdens that God has laid on us. He set the right time for everything. He has given us a desire to know the future, but never gives us the satisfaction of fully understanding what he does. So I realize that all I can do is be happy and do the best I can while I'm still alive. All of us should eat and drink and enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. I know that everything God does will last forever. You can't add anything to it or take anything away from it. And one thing God does is to make us have reverence for him. Whatever happens or can happen has already happened before. God makes the same thing happen again and again. May God's blessing be added to the reading, the hearing, and the keeping of his holy word. In the not too far distant past, all of us identified with God as Father. However, now, in an attempt to be totally inclusive, the thing to do is to refer to God not as Him, but simply as God, or as Father, Mother, God, that type of thing. Evidenced by, for one thing, by our century hymnal. And that's okay, I don't get hung up on titles. God is God, male, female, whatever. God is God. God is the great I am. And I believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. I remember an interesting conversation that I had with a guy. I first met him and his family in the early 1980s. Some 10 years or so later, he went to seminary and started serving a little church in a small town south of here. He shared with me his faith journey, his journey to becoming an ordained minister. Reverend John Thomas, who used to be head of the national organization of the United Church of Christ, told us in a joking type way, that the UCC has been using the gospel of punctuation, arriving from the use of that slogan, never put a period where God has put a comma. God is still speaking. He told us that that slogan actually came from Gracie Allen. Remember her? She used it, as I understand, in a note left for her husband to read after her death. And we all know George Burns was God at one time. Remember, in the movie anyway, he played God and he was her husband. 
And according to George Burns, you're going to love this, the secret of a good sermon is to have a good beginning and a good ending and have the two together as close as possible. <laughs> so anyway, when I talked to my friend, I remembered that slogan, never put a period where God has put a comma. God is still speaking. A long time ago, when he and his wife were first married, he expressed a desire to become a minister. And as the years went by, he thought that opportunity was long gone. He didn't know then that God hadn't put a period in his life's work. God had put a comma. God is still speaking in his life. God is still speaking through him as he ministers in his new church and through his participation in the Prayer Association and in the Alma Conference and in his own private life. He now brings to ministry all of his life experiences thus far, which in itself is invaluable. As we look back over our own lives, we too can see places where we thought not only God to put a period, he had put an exclamation point or a paragraph or the end of a document, only to find that, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story just keeps unfolding. Here we are in mid-February, so looking forward to the end of winter. And it's kind of beginning to look like spring might be coming a little bit early this year. And wouldn't we love that? The seasons of the year here in Northern Illinois are always enjoyable. We're going to enjoy the return of the birds and the greening of the lawns and trees even as we have enjoyed the beauty of the snow-covered yards and trees and the beautiful birds, the cardinals and the bluebirds sitting on the snow. We enjoy the winter foods, the chili and soup and the stews. And then pretty soon, we'll be firing up that grill for chicken and steak and hot dogs. When you think of all the varieties of birds and flowers and trees and bushes, the choices that we have of so many different foods, the diversity of the inside and the outside activities, don't we live an abundant life? And if God has been so generous with nature with all of these wonderful events that we can choose from, do you possibly think that God could be as equally as generous with you and with me? Do you think that this generous God might have already given what we need to live the lives that we long for. And further, assuming that you take advantage of the gifts that God has given you, 
it does seem entirely possible that the life you want is entirely within your grasp. The seasons of our lives, as described in that scripture from Ecclesiastes, they keep changing. A friend told me that in determining whether or not to change careers, she made a list of all those reasons why she couldn't. And then she went over that list again to determine why these things were on the list, finally determining that there was nothing on that list that couldn't be overcome. God has placed a comma where she thought he had placed a period. Instead of focusing on the negatives of why she couldn't follow her dreams, such as, am I good enough? Will I make enough money? Do I have what it takes? She tried to focus on all the things she was and what she had to bring, such as her experience, her talent, the support of family and friends, and her belief and faith in an abundant God. Well, living the abundant life also includes abundant giving. So many times we can't, we feel like we, we can't give enough. We don't have the resources to even make a dent in all of the needs that surround us. We feel so inadequate in the faces of all the homeless, the unemployed, and all the hungry children. All the charities and places that ask us for support. Well, abundant giving can mean different things to different people. A little story I read was about a woman who never married, never worked outside the home. Instead, she had taken care of her bedridden, aging mother and father until their deaths. Afterward, she existed on food stamps and a small Social Security stipend. Well, she had what she called a blessing box into which she put a penny every time she thought the Lord had blessed her. And twice a year, she would take that bag of pennies to church and put them in the offering plate. She also tithed 10% of her meager earnings. Well, the church decided she sh they should talk to her about not tithing because she really couldn't afford it. Well, she received their words as words of love, but her response surprised them. Why should I be denied the joy of giving simply because I'm poor? In worldly goods, she was poorer than anyone else in the church. Yet, in spite of that, she felt that she was the most blessed. From her, we learned that abundance 
has nothing to do with having money, but everything to do with being full of the joy of the Lord. Abundant giving. Abundant giving is also the result of doing volunteer work, visiting a friend in the hospital, making a meal for someone who's recovering from an illness, helping out a new mother, maybe giving someone a ride to church. <laughs> or, as I know I've told you before, my wonderful neighbors who live across the street who put my garbage cans in and out for me during the winter time. Now that is a blessing. When Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it abundantly, he meant life and not stuff. Not security, wealth, popularity, intelligence, fun. Not what most of us would first imagine abundance to be. God meets us in our need, whatever it is, and through that blessing, we sense a greater fullness. We are in the midst of God's abundant love. In Christ, we have all that we need to live the abundant life. The abundant life is never putting a period where God has put a comma. God is still speaking whether we're nine or 90. Whatever season you find yourself in right now, I invite you to pay attention, to be intentionally aware of the abundance of God's love for you. God's love as evidenced in nature, your friends and neighbors and family, maybe in a hot baked potato or a ice cream sundae this morning. What other ways has God made your life abundant? And where has God put a comma when you thought the paper was finished? Seasons come and seasons go. As it said in the scripture we read this morning from Ecclesiastes, we should eat and drink and enjoy our lives. Whatever season we're in right now, it's God's gift. Amen. Single code is a chance to be alive. 
Ben Hur. 